0: <laughs> Just about like, you know, an ode to male rape. Yes.
1: There's not enough odes to male rape. Not Are there I any? mean. Are there any? I
0: don't believe there has there been any songs about male rape?
2: I've I've owed to it before. Ode
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've I've gone the other way, I've been like <laughs>
0: Um, are we recording? We, we are recording. We, we, are we finally captured all that magic. That's that's really well, you know, because now this is the style. Our Atlanta style is the cold open. Yes. And like so, it's like um, we start start talking with our guest, and then and then you know we fucking re- you know then we introduce the show. Hi, I'm Margaret Cho. You're listening to Monsters of Talk. I'm here with my co-host. Greetings.
2: I'm Jim. I've, 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 we just spoke to Paul Foot, and I'm all Paul, Paul Footed out. But hello, I'm Jim Short.
0: I'm like shaking because we talked to Paul Foot.
2: Yes. Greetings.
0: I I, I answered. It said unknown, mm-hmm. and I answered, and he goes, "Hello, <laughs> hello, is this Margaret Cho?" And then I was like freaking out. I was like, "Holy right. shit, fucking." You know he uh, we love him so much, and um, you know this has just been an emotional couple of days, yes, and um you know this we're sort of nearing the end of our time here in Atlanta, yes, we have our last show tonight, and um today in this in this podcast, we have a wonderful guest who i I met it was the first person that I think I met to book on here, oh yeah, and um. So, and I'm not sure, is that your real name? Yeah, Ian A. Bear? Is that? It's my real name. And you're, but you are A. Bear.
1: I am A. Bear. It's like Manifest Destiny.
0: I mean, it's like, were you a bear before you, I mean, you
1: were. I was born a normal human, just like everyone else, Margaret. And I became a bear. Mostly inactivity.
0: <laughs> yeah. A lot of
1: hibernating? Yes. Uh, snacks, cuddling.
0: It's like I, Robot. Yeah, I I a bear, I bear.
1: Yeah, it's Welsh. It means fat homosexual with a beard. So it's no perfect. <laughs> 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 so it's like Jose Iber. Well, well, my well, it's funny that you say Jose because my mom is Chilean, so I am half Hispanic. You may not be able to tell. I don't know. You sense it.
0: I mean, you know, it's hard. It's hard to know, like you know, what people like racially what people you know, like for me i think it's it's very difficult with white people like people always tell me oh i can't tell asian you know i don't know like people apart, like you know like how do you know countries. it's korean so the, and chinese
1: that's when you hear white people talk about it, it's like oh well i'm one quarter dutch and you know my, my my family's welsh and german and then every other race it's like i'm black from africa or I'm yeah. chinese from china yeah but white people we have this like like layer of distinction it's like well oh well i'm a quarter cherokee it's like oh okay yeah
0: it's an incremental Mm -hmm. you know like it the the, um the the, it's like the specific so that i have a hard hard time telling ian a bear
1: a bear yep
0: and it's so it's poetic because you became a bear a bear yeah and so so ian a bear is a is a comedian here in atlanta i am and um how long have you been doing comedy
1: about three years. Okay. About three years, yeah.
0: And that's like, I mean, what, did ma- what made you decide that's what you were going to do? You know, I don't
1: do? know exactly. I, I was writing, a, a few years ago, I was trying to write a comic book, like a gay-themed comic book. Ooh. And I'd run it by some friends of mine who were kind of in the business, and they said that it needed to be funnier. So I thought, okay, well, I really need to write a, learn how to write a joke. So I ended up in a stand-up comedy class. To write a joke like to learn how to write jokes and the first time I got on stage I was like oh this is what I've been uh-huh. you know this is what it is that I want to do for the rest of my life you know what I mean and it was just that moment it wasn't the it, it, until I got on stage I never realized I wanted to do stand up and or be in front of an audience in any way shape or form
0: and did you have um, fear about it? Did you? Was it scary?
1: No. Um, uh, yeah, I had a lot of reservation right up until I did it. But the minute I walked, like it was like the minute I started doing my first set, I was like, okay, I felt like I had done it before. Did
0: Doesn't you? Did sense? you? Did you feel like that when you did it for the first time?
2: I had no. I wanted to be funny from very young age, mm. and I didn't know what funny was. I mean, in what manifestation, acting, and very various, various things. I'd done theatre, I'd done speech, and I'd done humorous speaking when I was in college. Ah. And I would, I would always be told that there's not enough structure in it. So, and I realized I was actually doing stand-up and mm-hmm. not speech, because mm-hmm. in humorous speaking today, I'll be talking about such and such, and I'll be bringing my point. I would just go up there and be ridiculous. <laughs> and you realize, oh, <laughs> I, I, you know. And when I was in college, I was actually on the speech team, and we were traveling. We'd go from different towns. And they would give us uh, uh, money. Mm-hmm. They would give us a, like a bit of money for the weekend and a hotel room. So I felt like I was on the road when I was 18.
0: <laughs> oh, it's so cute. In a weird way. I mean, yeah, because and I that's was what doing, it
2: is. But I was doing college gigs.
0: Right, right.
2: So even though I started doing stand-up when I was 21, um, I was doing it about 19 traveling to different cities oh that's incredible and uh, in, 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 and and doing humorous speeches
0: that is so cute i mean it's like really i mean but did you feel like when you were on stage like 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 ian says like did you feel like oh this is the right thing
2: yeah well the very first time i went and did a, a stand-up open mic there was something just very amazing about it. You go, yeah, it does. It fits. It, it feels. It feels proper. But I had a desire to want to do it. So yeah. maybe. But for you you just sort of discovered it through
1: yeah. uh, well I, I, and for me in my 20s I would have I never had the self esteem to get on stage like I was mm-hmm.
0: oh we don't have
1: I was self esteem we, well, no, that don't change yeah that
0: doesn't yeah. change well, it no, just,
1: but, uh, you just end
2: up with the self esteem to not get off stage yeah.
1: <laughs> well no but at the time I was like dealing with coming out of the closet and, and just my own sexuality and who I was yeah that's a you lot you know as a gay man in the 90s you know that was not the early 90s wasn't exactly like the banner of time to be gay you know um, but, what I found was is that I guess in my mind i 've always been doing stand up because like i 'm mm-hmm. a fan of comedians. I was telling you that um, i 've been with my husband for thirteen years pain uh, and i 've been together for thirteen years and um, what our first thing, our first uh, um, valentine 's day. We went and saw you at the Punchline. And we've seen oh. so many comedians together over the years. Oh. That when I said I wanted to do stand-up, he was like, you know, oh, yeah, duh. Why haven't you been doing that all along? Wow. That's you so know.
0: great. Who yeah. else have you seen over over the years?
1: Paula Poundstone. Oh, she's a fucking genius. Yes. Yeah. I love her so much. She is she's I do a joke about amazing. Snickers bars. Like, I do these jokes that are kind of homage jokes. And one of my jokes I do about Snickers bars, it's not her joke at all, but it's the topic. I do it because one of my favorite jokes in the world is the one she does about the the girl in the commercial who ad-libs the poking at you, poking at you. She she does like a 10-minute bit about, I wonder what she was Mm -hmm. thinking that day. You know, this is what it needs. A little this. Um, I do jokes about my mom. and Mm -hmm. And they're my mom, my stories. But when I tell those jokes, I feel like, I'm like summoning you as a power oh,
0: animal. Oh, you know I'm I mean? such a power animal. Yeah. I love it. You know what I mean? But like, I love yeah. it. Yeah, of course. I mean, I and think. And
1: Sandra Bornhart, we've seen. Oh, fuck, um, she's great. Seen you quite a few times. Yeah. Wanda Sykes, quite a few times. Oh, I love Wanda. Oh um, so
0: you like the ladies?
1: Yeah, Wanda brilliant.
2: I Wanda love it. Straight up, brilliant. Rhonda.
0: Yeah. Uh, r- 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 r-
2: Rhonda. Rhonda great too.
1: Rhonda. Rhonda. Sykes. Rondell Sheridan is amazing.
0: Rondell Sheridan. Rondell Sheridan has been trying to have sex with me be thirty years. Really, he's the most devoted. He is. He's he is, the best.
1: You gotta admire the tenacity. Of he's like, like the guy years. that plays the lotto every week.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Just you know, and but I, he's only
1: playing one number in a your vagina. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh,
0: I, I adore him, and I think and he's really still,
1: funny. Like, but there's no ping pong balls involved.
0: <laughs> 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 well, with oh, me, you, there might be. You never know.
1: Oh, don't. Don't even reference uh, Priscilla Queen of the Desert because I'm going to have to start doing lawns. Like, that's like me no like you anyways. You have tiny ding-a-ling. I mean, that, you're, you're yeah. going <laughs> to talk about ping-pong laws and then it's going to come out.
2: Yeah, well, I was thinking of the, bing- of the, not the bingo, but the lottery
1: ones.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh
1: I, yeah, yeah. I immediately think of... Um, Bangkok? I, no, I immediately think of Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Priscilla, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yes. We
0: were just we were just in Australia, so I, I, I'm I always thinking about, Muriel, yeah, you're, you're terrible. Your
1: impression, <laughs> your impression of the... The Australian woman, the Monday, uh, Tuesday, it's so
0: Tuesday. So but my fucking listen, like I think accents are so compelling, and I, I love Jim's accent because it is Australian, but it's also a it's very bit mixed, American, a little Britain, but not little Britain, not little Britain. <laughs> but it's it's um it's it one that's now.
1: <laughs> computer says no <laughs> wait what computer says no um, computer says no <laughs>
0: computer says no and then coughs in the face that's the worst fucking part
1: mm. is the cough
0: <laughs> <laughs> coughing in the face I feel like I've told this story before but I went out with them at the height of their Little Britain fame did I tell the story before I think you've
2: I think you've told a story to some people about it we haven't told it on the show we
0: haven't told it on the show um, Little Britain in, in London was so Fucking famous, like and and they those guys could not do anything, and um so they came to my show, in London, and Don French brought them. Oh my God. Who is a is a wonderful comedian, really really awesome. Yeah. Awesome woman, and a friend, and so she she um took us all out to eat, and then she it was a really nice restaurant. It was it was David and, and Matt and um myself and and um a couple other people, and and then she paid. And she goes, oh, "I'm buying your friendship." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so um, w- the paparazzi were outside the restaurant taking pictures of us eating through the glass. and then um, David Williams at the time was dating a uh, a model a, a beautiful model um, I think her she was called Stephanie, and she um, came and, and uh they were trying to get pictures of, of David and, and her. And he, he, he looked kind of fucked up because he had all this, like... He, he'd he'd swum, the, swung, swum the English Channel. That's right. For, yeah, for... I guess for the, for the... What is it? the Comic Relief. Comic Relief. And so he had, like... A, both his eyes were black. And I'm like, what? why do you have black eyes? And he goes, uh, auto-erotic asphyxiation. <laughs> but... <laughs> so they were trying to get pictures of the, the, him and the model... And, uh, so to, to throw off the paparazzi, I ended up leaving with David. So they took pictures of us and then the model took another separate car and it was like such a, I've never been pursued by paparazzi ever. It was so weird. I felt like princess Diana,
2: right? <laughs>
0: you know, cause they're so crazy vicious. So, but I love those guys and I love Britain. I love that. I love your, you have a little bit of Britain. In your oh, your in
2: there, yeah. Well, I've, I've watched so much British television through my life that it's filtered into me, I'm sure.
1: And you like British comedy. I love British comedy. I've been watching Netflix. I'm obsessed with, like, Black Books right now. I don't know if you've ever seen What's that. Black Books? Black Books, it's, I can't remember the name of the guy, but it's... Dylan it's a, Moran. Dylan Moran. Oh, oh, he's I mean, great. Dylan he Moran. Me, but the show is like him running a bookshop, but he hates his customers. So it's like just this, and he's just brilliant, and it. it's just so it's so funny to me. Yeah, um, I love British. Yeah, British comedy. You know, you say Don French, I'm thinking French and Saunders. Yeah, watch it back on A and E when they used to show like actual entertainment. Or, yes,
0: they um, yeah, they're really incredible. Loving,
1: yeah, I love. Well, and you know, you said female comics, and it's. It, I noticed that I only like, or not that I only like, but I mostly like female comics only when I tell straight comics, "Who are your favorite comics?" and I list all women. They're like, "That seems weird," you know. It's, mm. And to me, it's not weird. It's just no. that's what I've always been drawn to. Is Me
0: too. My I favorite mean, yeah. comedian,
1: when I was a kid, we lived in Guam because my dad was in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And LaWanda Page came. Oh, shit. And was at Anderson Air Force Base. And She's it was supposed fucking... to be like an, like an adult show, but we snuck in. Ugh. And I was like five years old, mm. and I learned every cuss mm. word that night. <sighs> and I just Ugh. did her act mm. to my parents until they would send me to bed every night. I would get up, and I would do my Fred Sanford. I'd do like, Elizabeth, it's the big one. And um, I would do that every night until one night I told my mom. I went, Mom, you're so ugly I could smash your face in dough and make gorilla cookies. And then I was grounded from all Sanford and Son. And I was uh, oh, no. I that's that's the number.
2: tamest Red Fox that you could yeah. have told her, though.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Wash your ass. Yeah. <laughs> that, there was his bit, him.
2: wash your ass. They you don't have to wash your whole ass, but <laughs> wash your asshole. <laughs> Which is actually very good advice.
0: Yeah, it
1: <laughs> I mean, it's great advice, actually.
2: That's I, red. That's red fox. That's yeah. not my joke. That's no, red no, fox. no.
0: Red, didn't I thought that um, Martin Lawrence did that joke too on Saturday Night Live? Do you remember when he did a set
2: of the Saturday Night Live that will that will never play again? Yeah, yeah. It it, it Saturday Night Live or NBC has banned it because it was so controversial.
0: Yes, I don't I, even
2: remember what he said on that.
0: He said something to that effect. It was about sort of like you know, it was a take on. That joke, an homage, Yeah. like a Paula Pouncey, an homage, yeah. um, and it wasn't the exact joke of uh, you know, wash it, <laughs> but it was <laughs> it was in that in that way. Va- you saw LeWanda Page.
2: I did, and we've we've talked about this somewhere, but um, I got to see LaWanda Page open up for Dolomite, Rudy Raymond. Wow, okay, I'm talking about. The full, the full show, man. Yeah. She's out in a wheelchair because she can't walk anymore. Yeah. The only time she got up out of the wheelchair was to stand up and lift up her apron. And I think there was a cock and balls.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> a
2: big dildo type thing yeah. there. Um, and just filthy. It, but in the just wheelchair? Fil- well, she stood up. That was when she stood up to like show you what was under the... the I think she had an apron on or something. My mind is a little. I yeah, just as remember a kid,
1: I just was like, I'm going to see on Esther. I'm going to see on Esther. And we got, we snuck in and it was, uh, it was an education for sure. It was, that was my first exposure to like live comedy.
0: Well, that's a genius. I mean, she's a genius
1: person. That's not s- bad. I mean, yeah, that's bad. pretty
0: genius to see her because she's like, I mean, she's one of my heroes, you know. But then
1: I paid for it later because I, like um, I did like a talent show when I was like 11 and we had moved to Myrtle Beach and I did like some regular jokes. And it was like at a Holiday Inn, like out by the beach, like Saturday, like stupid human tricks kind of like a Mm -hmm. show and it was outside and they had like a party band and the MC of the party band ran it. And I did some jokes and then I decided I was going to do blue jokes, but I didn't do LaPontana Page jokes. I did the jokes out of like, um,
0: Truly uh, Tasteless Tasteless" (laughs) joke book. Yeah, Blanche
1: Knotts, Truly Mm -hmm. Tasteless joke book. Two, it was two was the book Uh, because my dad had them and I would just like push his, houses and playboys out of the way and go right for the dirty (laughs) jokes like i knew i just was like that's but i did um i did the joke i did was how do you know if your roommate is gay because his dick his his dick tastes like shit
0: yeah well that's how you know
1: yeah that's that's how you know that's how you know in case anybody's wondering but the reaction yeah, yeah, yeah the reaction i got was like stunned silence, and like maybe some like <gasps> you know like um and then somebody at the bar screamed out, "Get your AIDS off the stage!" Oh <gasps> my god, that was god. it. Oh, I don't you're eleven minute. though. Yes, you're but fucking my eleven. Was done then. That was like I was. But you're done eleven. Eleven, yes.
0: So you're I, eleven years old, 11 and years somebody old. wait, somebody's can you?
2: First off, that you're 11 and you're up there, you're telling, uh, how can you tell you are gay? I mean, do you even understand conceptually about what it is? I knew what it, it was the
1: dirtiest joke I knew. Right, I knew but did, that you, that was even, the did ju- you even understand? Not exactly. I, pretty, I had a good idea. But then if somebody idea. says,
2: get your AIDS off the stage. Faggot. Yes. That, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot that part. Yeah. The, 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 that's the, the the qualifier. Yeah. Holy
0: shit. I mean, because you could have, because you may you know maybe you're hard of hearing.
1: Yes. So exactly. get your
0: hearing aids off stage. <laughs> maybe you had um, at that time. Maybe they had still had aids that aids diet candy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, but I had that in that in that moment though. I remember because like I I can remember it like just vividly. I remember thinking to myself like. Um, I used to read X-Men comics and I was like, you know, I, here's my, can my powers kick in right now so I can kill all these people with my mind. Like I remember sitting there thinking, oh, yeah. yo, here's, can I turn into Carrie right now and start just killing everybody? Ooh. And instead, um, the lead singer of the party band came up and kind of hugged me oh. and she kind of pulled my head towards her breasts. Kind of like to, I guess to. I feel like it was to like reestablish my heterosexual credibility, oh. but I still had the microphone in my hand, so all anybody heard was me going. Ew, oh, oh, oh.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> so it just,
1: it was bad. I think she was sheltering you
2: and mothering you. I a think, little bit. but then I, I ran I, home, yeah. taking care of you.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think. But then so. I ran well, home and I like these titties.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, the,
0: get on these titties.
1: <laughs> but I ran home and it was like I knew then, like that was like my turning point for. I'm going to act straighter. Do you know what I mean? Like that was, uh-huh. the, that was the catalyst. Well, that in that same summer was when Desperately Seeking Susan came out. And I mm-hmm. also got caught in the men's room right after seeing, sitting through it twice singing Madonna's Get Into the Groove into one of the hand dryers like I was Madonna in the movie.
0: Oh, when she yeah. un- dries her underwear. Yeah, eyes.
1: yeah. So I was, in the, I was in this like completely tiled bathroom by myself singing at the top of my lungs. So everyone in that movie theater could hear me. <laughs> so like when I walked out of the bathroom, all people were just like kind of looking at me like you know. So I had those two moments kind of happen right back to back, and Jesus, then it was like time to butch it up, Ian. Time to butch it
0: well, up. Well, I mean, I did not, I didn't know that you were gay, and I'm I'm a fucking bear hag. Well, there you go. So and when we met, I was I was just thought you were you were you were not. I didn't I didn't, I didn't yeah. even I I didn't I didn't sense that. Yeah. You were a bear. I was surprised. I think, yeah. do you remember that? I was like, oh. Yeah, well, I,
1: would, I had met you right before I went on stage, and I kind of came back, and you were, I think you might have heard some of mine. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I was, and I kind of get that, though, from people sometimes. I get the, like, the, oh. Wow. And, and I don't know if it's because I don't, I mean, well, you know, and I've been in a committed relationship for 13 years, and so, like, m- my sexual expression is at home with my husband. Right. You know, uh-huh. but my identity, I am a gay man. Um, right. I don't know if necessarily everything about me screams that. Like I didn't get the stay in shape gene. I didn't get the well dressed gene or whatever. No, you look good. You look good. But you know, but but that's. But I'm very comfortable with who I am. And I think that's when I say self esteem about comedy was. It was my mid 30s was when I stopped hating myself. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I really, I forgave myself for whatever it was. I thought. Um, being gay men or the time that I wasted in my 20s coming to terms with my sexuality where Uh. I watched other people kind of like flourish in their lives. And it was in my mid-30s that I really took stock in what I had and I had a a great relationship, a great home, a good job. Um, And where I felt unfulfilled was in creative self-expression and and comedy just kind of materialized as a result of me asking the universe or God or whatever you want to call it. I wanted something. Are you you
2: still opening with that joke? Which
1: one? It's about that? How can you tell if you? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I tell that I tell I tell a series of stories of, that I call like the like I call it the exhibit gay stories, like uh, the things uh, that happened along the way that made me realize
0: along the gay way, yeah, along
1: the gay, along the gay path.
0: In this where I gay, in this gay wizard, in this gay and AIDS. Yes.
1: This gay, <laughs> but um, I was I was mentioning earlier before we started recording that. Um, W- w- uh, I've never done a podcast before. Yeah, but as a kid, I used to record myself constantly. I'd make radio shows and oh, be that's all the parts. Cute. But or like I, a
0: realistic, yeah.
1: Well, like a little tape recorder. Like, yeah, like with
0: the with, gu- uh, with a with the microphone or was a microphone built in. Do You remember those in, realistic in It And would
2: always like feedback a little bit if yeah. you were in the wrong spot.
1: mm mm-hmm. yep. mm-hmm. And you had to push mm-hmm. down the red button and the white button. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, right. And,
1: mm-hmm. and all that shit. But um, <laughs> but uh, hearing myself, my voice recorded as a kid like four years old was the first time that i was like "Ooh, you gay you are so gay in like when i heard my own voice back as a kid i knew i was like that was the first time i was like oh you know that's what that's what that is and that's what that means when mm-hmm. people say that i'm a feminine or whatever it was it's like i heard that. Yeah. back
0: but it so I, I mean because it's maybe also that was just youth too just being oh, yeah, young for sure
1: well and i was i was a feminine as hell though i mean I, my role models as a kid were like Wonder Woman and Endor oh, yeah. from Bewitched and LaWanda Page. So, you know, my parents were just looking at me all the time, being like, "What?" Those are good. They were afraid I was going to grow up to be a black woman. I think more
0: <laughs> than anything else. Well, that's not you know? that. You know, that, I, I think that's a good yet. goal. I, do live in I, I mean, I, you know, I want that.
2: <laughs> yeah. What? What? But I wondered too. Like at four, like you were telling me a little bit before, you knew something was was different about you. I guess you said that. Yeah, because I'm I'm wondering like at at four, do you even know even any sexuality what
1: it's about? Like, well, I knew what I was attracted to, like, like television was like my gateway. I think Uh so. Like, I knew that I identified with like Uncle Arthur, you know, and I identified with powerful women, Uh like that was my. And I think that's where it came from. And I was what I said earlier was that when I was when I was real little before I went to school, I thought what was different about me was that I was smarter than everybody else. But once I got into school, I realized, oh, that's not that's not it at all. Um, it's I like boys, like you know. Once I was in a classroom, <laughs> but situation, that is smarter. Yeah, well, you know,
2: <laughs> and, and obviously you'd heard "gay." The word "gay" probably thrown around in maybe a derogatory way a lot.
1: Yeah, it was the effeminate male, so I didn't know what gay was. I knew what a mincing queen. You know what I mean? That, so that, that was what sort I of knew. it, though. I is, knew that. I didn't know what gay. Like I, I remember what, the movie Airplane. The guy mm. in mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. air control tower. Yes, I lived for him. Like that was my that yeah, was my. Yeah, he was guy. fierce. She, yeah. was, we, she was
0: fierce.
2: You, you knew, yeah. you know. Oh, that guy's gay, but you kind of don't know what gay is. Yeah. At, at that age, yeah. when you're very young. Yeah. I so, yeah, I, so I, I knew, knew he was
1: fabulous, and I knew that he got all the good lines. Like, and that's what I thought. That's what I thought it was. I thought that was a f- a, were, like a very
2: camp fabulous person. Yeah, exactly. Person.
1: And so I would emulate. I would act like that probably in class. Like I would be loud and outrageous in my Episcopal school. or that' I that's sort of it. brilliant and um it was always met with the same you know stop that um i remember having conversations with my dad that would go like hey he'd ask me how my day was and i'd tell him how my day was and my hands would be all over the place because i was just that's how i was as a kid i'd be like well and my hands would be all <laughs> up here and he'd grab my hands and hold them down and go tell me how your day was and i'd be like never mind you know like if i can't mm. if i can't queen out about it i don't even want to you know and I, but i knew like i knew from jump like as soon as i was aware of myself that i there was something that needed to be hidden about how i was and my self-expression and And i find the gay that little ian that gay little four-year-old is who is in control when i'm on stage so like when i'm really feeling it and i'm really being myself on stage it's i'm tapping into that kid again he's that's who's he's running the show he may not write all the material but he's Mm -hmm. the one who's acting it out for me on stage you know
0: that's cool. I mean it's like yeah, it's like you know that's it's it's a beautiful thing to like allow that child in you to yes. run the show.
1: Well, yeah, and well, to look and to look for that now in other people and nurture it. Like I'm real big on that we're trying to grow a queer comedy scene in Atlanta. Like I mean it's silly to think that uh in the southeast, you know, where we are so repressed still, you know, we're in the Bible Belt that th- an avenue for that should be laughter, you know, mm-hmm. that, that there are people out there who are just like me who probably don't think they have, uh, because they're gay, may not have the same right to voice themselves in, in the venue of comedy or wherever else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to me it's like, no, we need it here in the South even more than anywhere else, you know? Oh, yeah, desperately.
0: Yeah? I think it's really,
1: yep.
0: it's important. I mean, it, it, it's strange because the, the homophobia that exists in you know in in it it's not Atlanta exactly it's more like an OTP thing
1: yeah well we're like a little blue dot in a red state is how i look at it uh-huh. you know the Atlanta, once you go outside the otp outside the protective powers of the fruit loop as we like to call it <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, um, hey me yeah it definitely gets there you know my parents live in Peachtree city i went to high school in peachtree city uh-huh. um in 1991 in peachtree city it was not cool for me to be gay you know all like everything about that experience kept me in the closet because that's who they wanted me well, to be, you know? you know,
0: Peachtree City is where we work, you know, that's where mm-hmm. our set is. And so, you know, I lived there for a time and then, um, and it, it, it's like when you drive down um, to get there, they used to have this big sign on the side of the freeway that said, Actors and Models for Christ. <laughs> and it was like a Christian um, modeling and acting agency. Actors and models for Christ. Hmm. And then I would read that every day and I'm go I'm like I'm going the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't go that way. Uh, we we worked on, on the um in the uh Chick-fil-A air, airport. Yeah. And um, you know, that that fucking guy, whatever Dan Cathy. Yeah, he fucking comes around and gives us like sandwich coupons and stuff. And like I, I'm i so repulsed. Yeah. I mean, I'm so repulsed by somebody who makes so much money from... We are all the gay community. Everybody that, that you know, kind of behind the scenes yeah. and the director stuff, they're all gay. Yeah. And I'm queer and, like, you know, he makes a lot from us and, and that they are so they're so anti-gay marriage and that now they're kind of saying oh we're not anti-gay.
1: Well, in, and I worked, you know, I worked at Chick-fil-A when I was coming up. So, uh I have a slightly weird perspective just because I worked in one of the stores. Okay. okay. And my view is is that the people who work in those stores, they're like, you know, to, the idea to go to somebody at a Chick-fil-A who was working around on the counter yeah. and say, "You're anti-gay marriage is ludicrous." You know that, yeah. But There's a good chance that some of those people are. But I, I to me it's like my experience of it was it was very there was a very family aspect to it but then there was also like the thing i remember the most was that we had a day manager who had really bad um lip what do you call that like canker sores or Mm-hmm. Well, you get them every, I don't know what they're called. Like herpes. Math herpes. There you go. Well, she had really bad, and I guess this was before Abreva and all that stuff that you can over-the-counter really easily take care of it. And so instead of going to the doctor and getting any treatment, they would have a prayer circle every day. And so, like, by the middle of the wintertime, she just had shit all over her lips. And I just remember, like, when I worked there at the time, thinking how funny it was because it's like, you know, they don't give you health care, and this is even before like that healthcare discussion really they won't send her to the doctor but they'll all everyone will stop everything they're doing to pray that her lip stuff goes away
0: and then hold hands and spread the germs yeah exactly laterally (laughs) exactly and then eat the chicken
2: and whatever you know the thing about Chick-fil-A I have not eaten there in a long time but when you know when you're on the road yeah doing comedy, sometimes your choices are limited of where you can eat. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I don't try to, even though, you know, uh, I'm not in great shape, I try not to eat a lot of fast food, but I t- would try to selectively um, eat in some places. But anytime I went to a Chick-fil-A, what I what I appreciated about them was they were so courteous and nice and friendly right. and that there is that thing where they instill like treat customers yep. don't treat them beyond what they need to be treated like well, they do but give, be very,
1: they, they do give money to organizations that um hurt mm-hmm. you know well that's the thing marriage, they were very courteous i mean there was yeah. i appreciated that because you go to some places nobody gives a fuck yeah, yeah. at
2: all but the thing is in the last few years when you find out where the money goes yeah i'm not i can't give it to you now exactly like you said the kid behind the counter going up and going, you fucking homophobic yeah, dick. Yeah, that's, he, that kid's just trying to make a, make, you know, he's yeah. his first job. Well, they even and had an
1: article in a local paper here about somebody who didn't want to be identified exactly, but was an employee who was gay, who while all this was going on was having gay people come up and yell at them about being an anti-gay marriage. Oh, yeah. and it's like, you know, though. That's that, not going to you know, help. Yeah, that's not that, going to help. help.
2: You just don't give your money to them. Exactly. And that's why we talked about it on a previous episode, but that's why I like stuff. Starbucks, you can give Starbucks shit for being a yeah. company that does this and that and whatever yep. but I love the fact that the, that the CEO because uh, they were very much behind the initiative and yep. funded the initiative in Washington State for marriage equality and it passed yep. and their stockholders went well, our, our sales seem to be a little bit down because it, maybe it's the backlash of that and Howard Schultz the CEO went if you, can, if you can get a better return for your money then take it and invest it somewhere else yeah. and go fuck yourselves that's awesome I think that's brilliant. So, yeah. not that I will will always get a Starbucks, but yeah. if I if I'm you know I will go to Starbucks now more because I think that's cool. Yeah. And for me as a as a straight dude, it's like you know I want to I want to I wanna make sure my money's going somewhere good too that helps my friends.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's well, it's, and you know the whole the whole Chick Fil A thing actually was really good for me because. What I did was I went back and I because I you know I'm not as slim as you so I I eat but more and I'm fast not food. that slim either. Yeah. But Jim, that's just saying how fat you're. You're making me sound now. So <laughs> no, but, um, not at, all. Not at all. But I figured out how much I spent on Chick Fil A every month and it was like twenty five dollars. It was how much I was spending on Chick Fil A because it was that was the fast food I would eat. Yeah. And so what I did was I started to make a reoccurring um, donation to a local gay charity as a result of that. Brilliant. So now I'm not buying that Chick Fil A anymore. I'm spending that money. at This place called Lost and Found that helps LGBT oh, that's great. youth. Yeah, um, it's like a it's like a agency in Atlanta that helps kids who aren't in the system um, because they either don't they have they don't have the money to get in the system or they're not in foster care or whatever. Um, and it's a huge problem because like 40% of the homeless youth in the country, 40% of those uh, youth are. Um, uh, LGBT, yeah, you know, and, it's, and that yeah. number—I mean—they're saying that like ten percent of the population might be LGBT. Uh, well, forty percent of our homeless youth is LGBT. That's those numbers are off. You know, yeah. what I mean? it's like yeah. it's a big problem. And we have it in Atlanta. They have like they have a house that they can hold about six people at a time. Um, and they've helped probably about hundred over the last year and a half. But they estimate that there's like two hundred fifty to three hundred um, active homeless youth in the city oh, uh, wow. at any given time.
2: And a lot of that is probably. Uh, 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 teens that don't feel comfortable at home, yeah, who've been sort of r- run away or yep. cast out or disowned, yep. or especially in the south, yeah. religious least,
1: tyranny is what I would call it. I mean, that's the word I use fucking, for it because it really it's, is. It's, it's you know, it's m- abusive it
2: religion. Yeah. I'm not an anti-religion person, but I hate the abuse yeah. and the oppression that that people use.
1: Well, and these are kids also who end up not going to other shelters. And don't feel like they're getting the services or the help that they need. Yeah. Because religion's really being what's pushed there. So right. it's like, hey, we'll help you. But you and we'll get you, oh, Bible study butt, and you need yeah. to do this. And, um, and then they help a lot of trans folks. So, you know, uh, trans people don't necessarily feel like that they can get, you know, if you're a female who identifies as a male, um, you can't go into a lot of these shelters and be treated as the gender that you, you feel that, you, you know, you, the gender you identify with rather than the gender that you're assigned. Um, and uh, and and Lost and Found is the only agency in Atlanta that's helping. Well, those that's folks. really cool. Yeah,
2: that's cool that you give them some money. Let me just notice this because I was curious just a little bit from what we talked to okay. about before, and because we talked to some great comics this week, Gay yeah. Bob,
1: Gay Bob, who is Fabulous. A, a gay
2: man, yes, and um, and Brent Starr, and both of them discussed elements of them not being quite comfortable with their sexuality, and actually, um. Uh, well gay bob was married yeah to a woman yep. and brent tried to that just really suppress that did yeah. you ever go through now i know you said that you acted butcher yeah but did you ever did you ever ever like date women and all that like like i'm gonna prove to uh, myself no, that well I'm not this, i did or, like, like
1: high school at, right out of high school i would um i was i would date girls or hook up with girls or lead girls on, whichever you want to call it. Depending on the girl, they would probably say one of the three things. Yeah. Um, But I knew... Like, I could never go that far with that because it was just disingenuine. know, Like, I wasn't going to, like, fake love somebody and have them actually love me. Like, I I just couldn't... I couldn't bear to do that. Right. So I had a lot of, like... um, girlfriends that I would date and then they'd want to have sex and then mysteriously re-break up for some reason. Yeah. A lot of that. A lot of that. And then every time that I actually did get in a situation where I had to be intimately physical with a girl, um, let's just say, you know, my mouth did most of the work. So... Eat ain't cheating Margaret. Eat ain't <laughs> cheating. We got some attention, yeah, right there. But um, yeah, yeah. I I don't. I was much more uncomfortable of who society said a gay man was. Right. Does that right. mean that, I wasn't? It wasn't my sexuality that I had a problem with because I had plenty of sex and I still do. You know? Yeah. Um. It th- was those guys were actually the, actively yeah. trying to yeah. conform
2: to something else yeah. because they were really afraid of it. You yeah. just had issues coming to terms with it
1: yourself? Well, or? what my issue was is that people from, like when someone meets me initially, they nine times out of 10 don't think that I'm gay. I get you. And yeah. then when they find out that I'm gay, like I had a hard time dealing with that second part yeah. through my 20s. So sometimes people would find out that I was gay and and I could tell that there'd be a difference in the relationship. Yeah. And then I would just end that friendship or work relationship or wherever it was. So I wouldn't have to deal with that being reminded of the fact that that it had changed. Yeah. Or then other times people would be, they'd find out that I was gay and then somehow like now I gotta be... Uh, you know, if it was a female, like now, you know, they gotta they gotta talk to me differently, and you know, they gotta invite me to their Sex in the City parties, and right? They give be more girl, girl talk or something yeah, yeah, like exactly. that. Exactly, and I and I can be a great male friend to you, but I will never really be able to be a girlfriend to you. You know, what I'm yeah, saying? you're not yeah. that.
2: So it is because there's very many different personalities within the gay community yeah. too. So it is weird people stereotype that everyone's gonna be just that.
1: Yeah, I went through a, a big phase where. I, I, for a lot of gay guys, I wasn't gay enough, you know. And I can for, I can see that. Yeah. And for straight people, it was like, well, you know, it, once they found out you're gay, that all they hear is that list. You're, you're, yeah, you're just, just gay. you're just gay, and you're done. And so now it's like for get, me, get off the stage, get yeah, your yeah, AIDS yeah, off the stage. Yeah, yeah, get your AIDS off the stage. You know. Um, and and Bob, it's so funny that he was married and went through all that because Bob, for me in the late '90s or mid '90s, was like. He was like the most positive local gay role model because yeah. he was on the radio, and I used to think I used to always feel like that they would have him on the radio, and they'd set up these scenarios where it was almost like he was supposed to be the butt of the joke. Yes, but he was so funny and likable and just smart and like quick as a whip that he would turn it around on them, you know. Uh-huh. And um and and to hear that Brent, like Brent is like Brent is beyond just. Gay or straight or male or female,' because he's kind of like this like it's almost like gender fucking a way what he does get it out. yes <laughs> pop 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 get it out. Um, get it out. and he challenges the audience, so he goes like i i do I host a lot, I host my own shows, yeah, um I do a bear comedy show, follow me at a bear uh, comedy yeah we'll media. get we'll, we'll give yeah. out the twitter but, and um, everything. but uh I host some shows, um so I do a lot of crowd work and and I'm really comfortable with that, but like where brent goes is brent goes right out on the edge and uh-huh. like dips his foot in the pool and then jumps right in and um in a way that i won't like brent I goes own. for the lap yeah well he does he does yeah. he goes for the ooh straight man i'm gonna get over on you uh-huh. but he he owns that like i could never yeah. touch that yeah. and he does it in such a way that it is an homage to every drag performer i've ever seen yeah and it's like his own. It's his own style, yeah, um and what I love about the two of them is like you put the three of us together, and you know we're there's not there's not very much touching in what our material covers, yeah, you yeah, know yeah, it's yeah. like who Bob is and what he does on stage versus what i do it's to 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 the layman, maybe they go oh well you 're all gay comics, yeah, but I even think within the straight scene here that the straight comics differentiate between us, they know. What Brent does versus what I do because you have your
2: me. own identity. That's exactly. what I meant before. Your own yeah. story. It's yeah. your story. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um. And, and that's what I love about Atlanta. Atlanta is Atlanta is a lot of cultures, a lot of races, a lot of um, sexual orientations and identities. Uh, everyone living kind of separate, but all on top of each other at the same time. Right. So we have our own little communities, but we touch each other. So you know you cannot live in Atlanta and not deal with exactly. every aspect of like sexuality, race, age. We're all here. Everyone's here. It's a, it really is like and the, getting along. Yeah. And getting, you know, when, when for, the, for most the most part, part yeah, right. I, would say, I would say we are getting along and, and like, uh, where you guys are doing your shows this weekend, laughing skulls, kind of like the apex for comedy of that yeah. where all various types of, uh, people come and do their comedy there and the audience is ready to hear Everyone's voice—the gay voice, the black voice, the white voice, the woman's voice, well, just the old, the, the young, the funny,
2: hopefully the funny voice. Well, no, yeah, always
1: it. funny, always funny. Marshall but everybody anyway. that's you know that's
2: funny, and yeah. and it, and it doesn't have to have a, a thing before yeah. it that whatever. Yeah. It's not the, a hipster, good comedy. Is good comedy. Yeah, it's
1: not. It's not hipsters doing ironically racist yeah, jokes. Right. That's. It's not that. It's the you know everybody gets their brilliant. Yeah. Well, cool man. It's been brilliant to chat with you. Yeah, it's awesome.
2: Wait, cool. So, give you, give us your Twitter. Where can people reach you Okay, online? they can
1: reach me on Twitter at, at @a bear comedian. Um, you can reach me a bear um, I sorry. T- Oh, yeah,
0: sorry. I'm I'm just I I had to put on my makeup because we have to leave in 3 minutes. So, oh, um, so just uh,
1: we'll a up. but
0: we're going to actually talk to you on stage, so it's not okay. over. That's okay.
1: Cool. Okay. And uh, and do you have a website or anything like that? Uh, Abergoodcommunity.tumblr.com and uh, I do two shows at the Cockpit once a month here in Atlanta and at the Jungle. So just find me online. And, Brilliant. Uh, well, thanks. thanks we do thanks, some thanks good stuff with the LGBT community. Ian,
2: for coming and chatting with us. Oh yeah, awesome. And thanks, um, and uh, we'll, we're going to do some live stuff too. Very uh, this is Monsters of Talk. We appreciate you listening in. You can you can we catch us. You can catch us every week on uh, SoundCloud.com. Go back and listen to some old episodes if you're just tuning in now. We've got a great backlog of fantastic guests. All of our friends and mates. That's who they are, really. and Our mates. And uh, you can subscribe on iTunes. You can tweet at the show, at Monsters of Talk. You can tweet to Margaret, at Margaret Cho. I can be tweeted uh, to, at Jimmy Shelter. And we love you uh, for listening. And uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time.